Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable. That's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. He better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Hey guys, uh, this is Eugene Bach with Back to Jerusalem. I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Europe. This is a special Ukrainian podcast where we are asking people to join us and pray for the nation of Ukraine. Right now, while we're doing this podcast, Ukraine is under massive attack. And I've asked our good friend, Tim to come and join us. Uh, Tim is coming to us live from Poland, which is right on the border of the U- of Ukraine. And uh, so he has special on the front lines information for us. This is something that I wanted to do for people that are partners with Back to Jerusalem to pray for the Ukraine, uh, to pray for the people, but also Also, Ukraine is extremely important. What's happening there right now is extremely important for Christians, for Christians living in China, and for missions, the future of missions. This is a big deal. And this is, Ukraine is mentioned in the book of Ezekiel for the end times. And we'll get to that here in a little bit. But first, um, uh, Tim, I want to thank you for joining us, brother. It is great to have you with us. Uh, on the Back to Jerusalem podcast. It's good to talk to you. It's good, good to talk to you again. I was, you. Just, uh, I was just I was just in a neighboring country uh, two days ago in Romania. I flew in right before the invasion of Russia. Uh, we kind of knew that there was going to be an invasion. I mean, everybody kind of knew, right? And uh-huh. so I was worried about leaving Romania because of the shutdown of airspace over Ukraine. So I didn't know what that would do for the nation of Romania. What are you seeing in Poland? Well, um, there is a, there's like this huge wave of information pouring in from, from Ukraine. And we, I mean, we need to be extra careful uh, to be able to, to sift it, to see which of this is fake news, which of this is real news. But uh, I can see that, that so far the Polish media are doing quite a good job in, uh, in going through the uh, noise and, and just getting a lot of decent information. Right now, we we know that on the borders there there are a lot of uh, Ukrainians just just uh, on each uh, border crossing. Like you're gonna have a couple of kilometers of queue, people trying to get into Poland, and also um, young Ukrainians that are trying to go back to Ukraine and join the fight. So so there are things happening that we. In Poland right now, we are focused, of course, on looking, on watching what's happening in Kiev, praying for, uh, praying for brothers and sisters because, because right now the major, there's a major offensive in Kiev. Kiev is the, is the capital city of uh, of Ukraine. So we are praying, we are we are uh, watching what's happening, and we are preparing for all of the refugees coming from the Ukraine, and we are already getting info of per- first people crossing the borders and just just searching for, for refuge. Right now, Poland had, had prepared nine information points, at the, I mean the Polish government, just uh, near to the border, 
with Ukraine, like the, these nine assembly points, I would say, uh, are the points that Ukrainians can go, get some help and get information on where to go next. And are you seeing a big influx in Poland of Ukrainian refugees? We will see. I mean, uh, we are already getting uh, information f by phone calls and, and messages that there's going to be a lot of people coming in. There was a huge, huge, huge uh, traffic jam from Kiev uh, on the on the main highway and, and towards uh, west. We are expecting people uh, coming in. Of course, right now the the president of um, of Ukraine has decided to mobilize. So all of the um, young men which are fit to fight will not be, uh, will, will just stay in Ukraine, but uh, their families, wives, uh, women, children, elderly people, I mean, we, we need to take care of them. And I'm sure, I mean, we, we already see that there's a lot of people coming in. And do you know why this is happening? I mean, for people that are watching from abroad, this is kind of, you know, information that they, they, they've been told about for the last two weeks they've been saying that uh well i mean already from november and december this was hitting the news of last year saying that the russians are having a troop build up on the border of the ukraine why why is russia invading the ukraine i'm just gonna say it's the uh, rise of the soviet union again okay so it's that they, one of the they, Yes, they, go ahead. They think, they think it's it's theirs. I mean, not them. I don't want to call them because I, I love the Russian people. It's just their, their their government, which is making crazy decisions right now. And and the government, they, they think it's the Ukraine is rightfully theirs. One of the things that I've noticed is the importance of the Ukraine for Russia and for Europe. They've kind of been in this tug of war because it's on the border of Europe it's on the border of Russia. So it's right in between. It is mm -hmm. the largest nation in Europe on the European continent. Um, they also are quite rich in natural, uh, their natural elements. So they have the second largest gas reserves in Europe. Mm -hmm. They have the one of the largest uh, iron ores in the world, the fifth largest in the entire world. Um, massive deposits of lithium, titanium, of which, by the way, China's their largest customer. I mean, so, I mean, me being from China, this is a big deal for us because why would China allow those resources to be invaded by another country unless that they had another deal with that country, mm -hmm. right? I mean, if they're already the largest consumer, my question is what deal did Russia cut with China in order to allow this, this supply chain to be broken? Um, when it comes to food, I've just been reading recently, I didn't know this before, that Ukraine is the breadbasket of yeah. Europe. Um, yeah. So when it comes to grain and corn needed for Europe, Ukraine provides a lot of that. They have very rich soil, rich in natural nutrients. And not only are they the breadbasket of Europe, but in many ways, they're the breadbasket of Africa and the Middle East. So this will create instability in Africa and the Middle East as well. 50% of all of Ukrainian corn and wheat go to the Middle East and Africa. So only half of it goes to Europe because that's about all that's needed um, from the Ukraine because they produce so much. Hmm. Yes, yes, that's true. That's, they are famous for their soil. Yeah, I mean, they, they're known for having rich black, 
you know, soil yeah. that it just, I mean, you spit on the ground and it grows something. Exactly. So uh, that's, that's a big deal for, for the Russians. Uh, one of the things that I've been, that I've been fascinated by in just the last couple of days is reading about the, the so there, it's very well known that Ukraine has the seven world heritage sites. Most of those world heritage sites that are designated as world heritage sites by UNESCO, um, the United Nation World Heritage Site kind of foundation that takes a log of these. Of those seven, most of those are churches. And I don't know if you've studied anything in school. I know that I haven't. So it's just been the last couple of days that I've been reading up on this about Vladimir the Great. Uh-huh. And so I was, fami- I, you know, I, I kind of got confused for a second because I, Vladimir Putin, Vladimir the Great. And I think that uh, Vladimir the Great is also called Putin from time to time. And so there was this article that I was reading that took me down a rabbit hole that got me really confused because of the, the connection between the names. And so Vladimir the Great, by the way, is this guy, for those that are listening to this podcast right now, or maybe you're listening on Facebook live stream, most people don't realize that 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 Vladimir the Great uh, was the person who brought Christianity to Russia and solidified Christianity. Well, he didn't bring Christianity to Russia. He solidified Christianity in Russia, mm-hmm. where Russia became a Christian, kind of known as a Christian nation, almost the third Rome at the time. And uh, one of the reasons why that was is because he was from Kiev. He was from Ukraine. And uh, the Byzantine Empire, when it was being run over by the uh, Muslims, the Byzantine Empire reached out to the Ukraine and asked for Vladimir to help. And so Vladimir came. He was able to help. He successfully uh, protected the Byzantine Empire. However, when it did fall because of what Vladimir had done, there was this idea of Russia taking the mantle of the Orthodox Church which is a history that's been long forgotten since the rise of communism. And the timing for me is very interesting because Russia is the only nation in the world that stretches the entire 1040 window. So, I mean, people don't realize how massive Russia is. Russia stretches from from uh, America, basically the borders of America. So you've only got, you know, a, a couple of miles between Alaska and the border of Russia. And so the waters, the, the border waters run right into each other. Um, you can see Alaska from Russia and Russia from Alaska. And so you go from the borders of America. Russia goes from the borders of America all the way over to Western Europe. So they stretch all, they stretch the entire distance of China, Mongolia, into the, uh, the, the Caucasus regions, over the Middle East, and into Eastern Asia, and over Eastern Asia, and then into Western Europe. So, I mean, uh, they're bordered yeah. right on the border of Finland. They're on the border of Norway. Um, so, I mean, they, there's, their border stretches all, all the way over to the border of Norway. And if you look at Norway, Norway is on the Western borders kind of, of Western Europe. So, I mean, Norway is more West than Poland. Sweden is more West than Poland. I believe Finland is directly North, maybe a little bit West of Poland Uh as well. I'm not sure. I'm not looking at a map right now, but I mean, that is, that is a massive landmass. 
to go from America to Western Europe. So it's over basically the complete 1040 window that the Chinese are looking at reaching. Yes, that's true. So with you sitting right now in, uh, in Poland, what is the, what is the news? What is the situation for Poland? Well, um, we are preparing, as I said. I mean, we just—I uh, don't know what's the what, what's going to be the government response, and uh, if there's—I have no idea. But uh, on the ground, when we look at the churches, when we speak between the the uh, people respo responsible for the churches, um, right now we, we're just making like a network of information. I mean, I mean to to be able to quickly. Uh, respond if there's any need so so right now there are, there are people coming in we know that we are in contact with them and we are just dispersing information about who can go where how can we help uh, who needs food who needs shelter who just need uh, to, to stay for a you know few minutes and to continue their their journey um, I, I, can, I can see I mean thousands of people just just on Facebook and other uh, media just just sharing information like if you're if you are running away from Ukraine and you need help just call this number contact me directly I will, I will give you shelter I'll give you food it's just amazing how how big is the population response the cities are just I mean the mayors of the cities are, are contacting the, the mayors their counterparts Carter parts in Ukraine and and they're just sharing who needs what and they're just organizing right now in, in all of all of the poland in every major city there are collection points that um that can take you know blankets and and, and dry food and everything which is needed and, and and this stuff will be sent directly as long as the borders are open this stuff will be sent to the cities that uh, that require that in in ukraine so there is this uh, right now it's just like a civil movement uh, the bigger cities that they have this, uh, how do you call it in English, like uh, emergency response services, emergency response centers, they are getting open for uh, for Ukrainian refugees. There are like uh, free, toll-free numbers that uh, that if you require uh, psychological help and you are from Ukraine, you can call, you can talk with somebody. Uh, big companies, small companies. Are just you know doing something like uh, one of the mobile phone operators in Poland. He just said that if you're coming back, coming from Ukraine, just take our SIM card and we'll give you ten like ten gigabytes of uh, internet for free, so you can stay in touch with your family back in uh, uh, back in Ukraine. Uh, like small companies, like the guy who owns just like a trucking business, he said, you know, I don't have much, but I will just go to the border and, and pick anyone who needs transport back to like, you know, in the Polish center. So this is what we are observing right now. A lot of people just, just with their hearts open, torn and open, just, just getting ready to welcome all of those Ukrainian brothers uh, because they are brothers for us, for the Polish people. We, we are, you know, even our languages are very similar. You can speak Polish to a Ukrainian, and he will speak back in Ukrainian, and you will still understand each other. So, so we are very close. Really? So the, the language or that the, the language is that understandable between the two of you? What family of languages is Polish and Ukrainian? I think it's in English. It's called Slavic languages. Slavic, so, yeah. so it's of the Slavic language family. Okay. Yeah. The the, the 
the response of the church there in Poland sounds really amazing. It sounds like that's what the church does. That's what we are good at is helping those that are in need. And uh, I, I praise God that the Polish church is reacting in the way that they are. It, has there been any misinformation that's been spread by it, it, have you are you seeing like uh, the activities of Russia really trying to spread misinformation in Poland yes yesterday um, they've clogged our gas stations uh, there been, there was an activity of pro-russian uh, Facebook accounts that shared uh, fake news information that Poland is running out of gas so that that made people you know panic by just go to the gas stations make a queues for hundreds of meters and and yeah that the last evening it was was a bit um it, you know nothing terrible happened but they 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 did what they do they just made panic and then, and yeah the, the situation was not too nice with all of the gas stations it was the middle of the night and you still had couple of hundred meters long queues to get some gas so yeah we can we definitely see that we we've i mean i don't want to attribute everything to um to russian disinformation but we had a crisis of couple of emergency services in couple last couple of weeks and and we are still not i mean the it's 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 maybe it's just a coincidental thing but but maybe not i mean our uh the main emergency number uh, that you can call to get you know an, an ambulance, police officer, or firefighters who just down for one day. So maybe it was due to the high winds and the high number of um, of people that needed help. But I mean, it's just maybe coincidental. But maybe not. It's just uh, yeah. We are right now in Poland at uh, we call it Charlie level um, of the cyber terrorism threat. Charlie is the one, uh, the third. From down, so so the next one delta would be if a major uh, cyber terrorist attack would happen. So right now we are all all of the IT services are uh, in the highest state of emergency to be sure that uh, all the systems are going because we are actually expecting a, a cyber attack. Uh, have you seen any activities from the EU, from NATO troops, kind of moving into Poland to secure the border? Um, I mean, it's it's been happening from a, for a while already. Uh, last two weeks, uh, I, I'm, I think it's almost or over three thousand US troops that landed in the, uh, in eastern Poland. Uh, I know that we have uh, we have British engineers. But I, I didn't follow that too much. I, I'm, I'm just sure that we have uh, American support here. So right now, I know that I'm assuming you are in the city of Krakow in yes. Poland, right? Um, that's, I mean, that's where the office is, the Back to Jerusalem office. You've been our partner now for uh, over a year, two years. I can't remember how, I think it was 2020, first time that you and I met. Is that correct? Yeah, that, that was 2020. Yeah, so about almost two years now, we've been partnered up and you've been the Back to Jerusalem representative in uh, in Poland and you've been running the operations out of Krakow. You also have uh, your the ministry that you've been working on, which has just been phenomenal 
fascinating to watch. Uh, you guys have an online presence that's out of this world, and you also have a, um, uh, uh, you yourself have started a Christian publishing company there in Poland. And uh, what is what is the situation right now in Poland? Is there is there a feeling among the church that we need to help? Is there a feeling among the church that we need to protect Poland? Is there a feeling in the church that this is a scary, desperate situation? Is it hopeful? Is it is it scared? Is it fear? What what is the situation right now on the border of Ukraine? Um, I'm going to say that when this happened, when when the invasion happened, we were not surprised. I mean, it's been it was like it's being built up for a while already. So and, and we've been praying for for because of that, and we've been preparing. Um, I don't think, I mean, of course, it's, some people are absolutely afraid. Uh, but when I look at the churches, when, I, when I've been talking with the church leaders for the last couple of, couple of weeks, I mean, everybody's just, you know, calmly um, trying to prepare themselves. Even, even yesterday, I, I was talking to some, some sisters in faith that a uh, few weeks ago, they were, they were still scared. And, and, but the moment it happened, they realized, okay, it's... Um, I'm not scared anymore. What do we do? So I believe it's not us. It's not our character. It's just the Holy Spirit that was preparing the, the church for this because he, he he knows way, way more than we do. So so he, I, I strongly believe that he was preparing the body of Christ in Poland for, for this event and for the next events that might be coming. So um, when I look at the church, I, I see the church that is preparing. Yeah, this is this is so important because if you were to listen, if you guys weren't listening to the Holy Spirit and you were listening to the news, you would be getting confused because um, there was intelligence reports that were coming in in November of last year from the U.S. and NATO saying that there was a buildup, massive buildup over a hundred thousand troops. Now that's that's almost half of of Russia's active ground troops, uh -huh. um, which would, for me, that would be a, an open invitation to invade Moscow. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to put that many of your ground troops on the border of Ukraine, uh, that leaves, you know, other parts of Russia wide open. But Notwithstanding, I mean, if you look at that, there was this big kind of thing coming from the West saying that, you know, there is this buildup. We think that Russia is going to invade Ukraine. Mm -hmm. China and Russia laughed. Um, they're like, oh, this is just blown out of proportion. There's nothing going to happen. Fake news right there. Uh, and I mean, you saw Putin together with President Xi in China smiling at the Olympics that, you know, oh, we're yeah. all about, you know, this collective unified world spirit of the games. Um, by the way, which I found interesting that Russia wasn't allowed to compete, yet they competed. Uh, they were yeah. supposed to be banned because of drug abuse uh, adopted by the nation. So this wasn't this wasn't just the uh, this wasn't just the the competitors, the athletes that were doping. This was the government actually instilling apparatuses in their testing facilities to protect doped athletes to compete and win medals for Russia. So Russia competed under what was it called like? ROC or or some I can't remember what the yeah. name of it was the Russian Russian Olympic Committee. Yes, yes, ROC. Because I was looking at ROC winning medals and I was like, who the heck is ROC? 
like you know i was thinking of like republic of china like taiwan um and then i saw no it's actually russia created their own team still competed for russia just had a different name without the flag um <laughs> so anyway i mean china was right behind russia saying you know there's not going to be an invasion this is not this is fake news this is people are beating the war drum war drums over no reason whatsoever what is interesting is that i don't know if you've heard anything about this tim but we've been seeing uh massive church growth in certain parts of russia um mm. even in the official news uh, the the Church of the East has been thriving. Uh, in 2019, which is only three years ago, there's a patriarch that came out. His name is Kirill or something like that. I don't know if I'm sp saying his name correctly, but he's the head of the Russian Orthodox Church. And he boasted at that time in 2019 that they were building three churches a day uh, for the, uh, the this uh, official Orthodox Church. And so uh, last year, they even opened up a cathedral to the armed forces, uh, which is about an hour outside of Moscow. And I have seen that. Yeah, yeah, and it's huge. Uh, it's massive, and it it does a lot of things where it integrates Christianity with military imagery, which is which is a dangerous place to be. Uh -huh. But one of the things that I that I saw is that you know just last week we had our back to Jerusalem hackers conference where we had Russians that came and joined us for the hackers conference and they were reporting to us at that time there were many Russians that were not able to come and join us mainly because of what was happening in the Ukraine but those that did come and join us they told us that they've been they're going through persecution right now in Russia that harkens back to the 1980s which is exactly what we're seeing inside of China so we're seeing the increase of persecution in China which was getting better and Russia which was getting better um, and, and so this is something that we've been very, uh, you know, we've been told about, we've been aware of in some aspects of the growing persecution in the growing church kind of going hand in hand. Um, have you heard anything about that? Are, are you connected with any churches in Russia that might give you an indication about the persecution or the church growth no, or lack no, of but, either? But I will start, uh, I will start digging. That's the first time I hear about it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I just know about it because of our, our Russian partners who've come and joined us. Uh, we, when we go to the U.S., there have been times where we hold meetings in Tacoma and the area of the northwestern part of the United States where there's large Russian Orthodox churches, or I, should say, I shouldn't say Orthodox, uh, large Russian churches that are the formations, basically, of those that fled from Russia, and uh -huh. they are radically on fire. We went there together with Brother Yoon and hosted Back to Jerusalem meetings. And those meetings were phenomenal. I would actually love to go back there. Um, let me step back for a minute. I mean, for those of you that are just now joining the podcast, maybe you're just joining us now on Facebook Live. We are right now, we are before the morning hours of the U.S. So it's quite late in the early morning of the U.S. But we wanted to do this on Central European time where I'm at right now, where um, our brother Tim is in Poland at the Back to Jerusalem office and kind of give you an update about what's happening in the Ukraine. And Tim has spent the first half of this time together sharing a little bit about what's happening on the front lines, on a border, on the border of the Ukraine. He's in Poland right now. If you look at a map, Poland is on the western border of the Ukraine. Um, let me just share a couple of things about the Ukraine to break it down and make it as simple as 
possible for those that are, that are listening to this Back to Jerusalem podcast or listening to us on Facebook Live. Um, first of all, Ukraine is the biggest nation in Europe. That makes it appealing to almost any nation that would like to gain new territory like Russia. They're also the second largest gas reserves in Europe. Um, they're one of the largest producers of iron ore, lithium, titanium. Um, for lithium and titanium, those are those are resources that are desperately, desperately needed for cars and chips and computers. And China is a big consumer. They're the number one consumer of those items coming in from Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine is also the breadbasket of Europe, producing most of the grain and corn needed for Europe. And they're also a big producer for the Middle East and Africa. They also have an amazing church history that goes back. And in 1991, with the fall of the Soviet Union, Ukraine became independent from mm -hmm. Russia. Uh, this is at a time when many of the nations were becoming independent. I'm sure you could probably share a little bit with us about that independence movement uh, being from Poland, Tim. But we saw places like the, your neighbors in Lithuania and Estonia and Latvia. Uh, we also saw in the stands like Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, Kyrgyzstan. Um, we also saw, you know, Georgia, Armenia, yeah. the Caucasus regions with the fall of the Soviet Union in 1991. Then there was what they call the Orange Revolution, uh -huh. where uh, there was a political movement that took place in the Ukraine where uh, before, right after the fall of the Soviet Union, there were leaders that were still very much connected to the Soviet Union. However, in 2004, there became a major shift where Ukraine started to focus more on trying to become a member of the European Union. Um, they started focusing more on working with NATO, working with the United States, and this ticked Russia off mm -hmm. because they do not want a nation that is important as the Ukraine to be in the EU, to be partnered with NATO, to have a defense alliance with the United States. So that was a challenge. Uh, in 2014, for those of you that will remember, that's when... Russia invaded Crimea and basically very little happened. I mean, yeah. the U.S. administration at that time did almost nothing, which is now the same administration in many ways. I mean, uh, Joe Biden was the vice president in 2014 when Russia did the first invasion of the Ukraine and separated Crimea. Um, and now he is the president when, again, they are invading for a second time. So there was a pause um, between 2016 and 2020 where there was no invasion by Russia. And then after 2020, then we saw this buildup on the, the border again with Ukraine and very little was done to stop it. And now there's been threats, but it's it's really hard to change anything of the trajectory that Russia has on the Ukraine. So they know basically they can invade the Ukraine and very little is going to happen to them. What, you're going to slap them with sanctions? Sanctions yeah. aren't going to do a lot right now because China owns a lot of the Middle East, Asia, and Africa with their One Belt, One Road. If you're not familiar with the One Belt, One Road strategy of China, go back into our earlier podcast or even through the Back to Jerusalem archives where I've written about it extensively on how China's been able to shift the geopolitical front of moving much of the Middle East and Asia and Africa towards Russia and China and away from Europe and America. Um, the reason why this is a big deal, because the areas that were just invaded, the areas that have already been taken over by Russia are the eastern states um, 
I, I'm going to probably pronounce this incorrectly, Tim. Maybe you can help me. There's two states. One is known as Donetsk and Lugansk. Am I saying those correctly? Do you know how to say those two areas that Russia's already taken over? Yeah, it's, it's Donetsk and Lugansk. Okay, I'm just going to allow that to waver. <laughs> I'm not going to try to repeat what you just said. No worries. Um, but those are, that's about a third of the country. Those two states are a third of the country of the Ukraine. That's about, that's like Mexico invading America for our American listeners and taking over California, Texas, uh, Arizona, um, New Mexico, Nevada, uh, Washington, Oregon, uh, and Montana. Uh, that that is like uh, maybe that's still not even a third. Maybe that's still not even accurate. Uh, we'd probably have to move closer to the Mississippi to say that that's a third of the nation if we count uh, Hawaii and and Alaska into that equation. However, this is really a big deal, and I want to share just really quick how does this affect missions. I want to jump to this um, because this is an important part for us at Back to Jerusalem. One, the, the first way that this invasion of the Ukraine impacts Christians and impacts missions, specifically missionaries, is that oil prices are going to go up. I mean, we have uh, now the blocking of a major pipeline from Russia to Germany that's opening this year, 2022. It's called Nord Stream Pipeline. Um, and that was to take 151 cubic meters of gas per day from Russia to Germany. So that was a major, major pipeline um, that now is going to be cut off, at least for the short term. I don't know if this is going to be long term or not, but Russia knew that that was a risk. They took it anyway, which means that they are willing to pay that price. Maybe they perceive that Europe isn't going to be able to hold out without their gas. Um, and I would probably conclude with that. I also don't see sanctions lasting very long. I could be wrong on that, but I think Russia's throwing the dice and it may play out in their favor. But in the short term, oil prices are going to go up, which means that flying is going to get more expensive and everything for missionaries on the field is going to get more expensive. Tim, who's joining us right now from Poland, he just shared how that there's already been gas lines formed up in Poland. Do you know if in Poland gas prices have gone up? Is there any control measures? What have, what are you seeing there in Poland, Tim? They've, they've been going up uh, since the beginning of, of, the, of the pandemic. And, and, and right now, I mean, the Polish government is trying to control them. Mm, right now, I don't. Okay, we have the inflation as well, so the gas prices are going up and up uh, for a while. They've been decreased a, a bit due to the government policies, but definitely we we can we can see the the gas prices just going up and up. It's like uh, one and a half dollars per liter of of, of gas. Okay, and know. do you think that that has anything to do with with Ukraine, or does that have to do with the pandemic, or a bit of both? What's what's your feeling? I think it's just all of that combined, including uh, mismanaged funding during the last two years, just just you know crazy expenses, and and it's just right, right now we are just paying the toll. The inflation is coming up. The the, the Ukraine. I think this will. The, the effect of, of the of the Ukraine of the Ukraine being invaded by Russia 
uh, we're going to see that in the next few months and, um, on the gas prices, on the on the fuel prices. Anyway, they are super high right now. Anyway, in Poland, if if you are an entrepreneur and you have a signed uh, contract for for like uh, liquid gas, so some of them some of them they got like three hundred percent raise in their bills for gas. Wow! Three hundred percent. Wow! Wow! Yeah. So I mean, that's in, that's impacting not just your bottom line when it comes to transportation but heating i mean right now it's yeah. the middle of winter for for ukraine and poland exactly yeah um this is also going to practically so how does this impact missions gas prices are going to go up flying and traveling is going to go up for missionaries traveling back to the nations that they raise their support from and then back to the nations where they're serving from. But also we're going to see, I believe, um, possible closing down of Russian airspace, uh, which is extremely important for global travel. Uh, once once these, these impacts come in from other nations that are trying to uh, put uh, restrictions on Russia because of Russia's invasion of the Ukraine, we might see tit for tat coming from Russia as well, where Russia will impose their own sanctions that won't allow their airspace to be used. We're already seeing Ukrainian airspace shut off. It's one of the reasons why I was concerned about leaving Romania a couple days ago. And uh, for those of you that do not travel to Asia that much, when you fly from China to America, for instance, you fly over the North Pole, you go over Russian airspace. So for those flat earthers, <laughs> this this is a problem for flat earthers because if it was a flat earth, you would not be flying over Russia to get to America from China. So in order to get to Chicago, for instance, we will fly over Russia, Canada into Chicago um, or we will go um, up from uh, uh, Hong Kong over uh the Chinese area into Russia, into Alaska, and down to LA, if you've ever taken that route. I've flown many times from southern China, Shanghai, uh, Beijing, into the United States. You fly over Russian territory. Uh -huh. uh, when you go from Europe, yeah, certain parts of Europe, you'll fly over Russian territory to get to the other the other side of the globe, which is you know in the US. Um, sometimes from the Middle East, You'll take that same kind of arch depending on which direction you travel. But if Russian airspace is restricted, we're going to see massive global changes for air travel. And Eugene, that will, yes. Th that already happened today. British Airways have been banned from entering the Russian airspace. That's the first. Wow, I did not know that. So th that was, I was just writing this up this morning. When, when did, uh, when was that posted? I don't know, an hour ago? Something an like hour that. ago. Since So since you and I started this podcast, I have not been reading the news. So I'm glad you looked that up. Yep, so that's already happening. Um, so I knew that that was going to come. I knew that that was going to be... So that's two ways. Practically, we are, we are going to see a direct impact on missions. So this is going to impact your missions budget. This is going to impact the wallet. But what does this do for missions spiritually? I mean, so the first thing that we look at is practically, but the second thing that I want to look at is spiritually. What is the spiritual implications for an invasion of the Ukraine? 
Um, for many people, this might not mean much, but let me just share something really quick because when we look at end time prophecy, and I'm not saying that the Ukraine is a point is pointing to the signs of the end times, but I will say this: Russia, China, and Iran are mentioned in an unholy alliance at yes. the end of the age. Amen. And when we look at this, there is a strange unholy alliance as well. Why do I call it a strange unholy alliance? Because if you look at the connection between Russia, China, and Iran, this is an unholy alliance between Islam and atheism against Christians. Uh, we also see directly um, the land of the dragon, um, the land of Gog and Magog, and the land of Persia. Those are named in the Bible during the last days that will form an alliance to attack Israel. We see this in Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel, chapter 38 and 39. If you just go today, if you look at reading those two chapters today, go through and read. They can be a little bit confusing, but let me just lay out some names. I looked at it this morning. I read it again this morning, and I want to lay out some names as they are traditionally known. Ezekiel 38 and 39 names a couple of areas that come together in an unholy alliance to attack Israel in the last days. Gog and Magog, that is traditionally thought of as the land of Russia. Mm -hmm. Persia is traditionally thought of the land of Iran. Meshech, this is the area that is the southern part of Russia that reaches Turkey and Iran on the border of Turkey and Iran. The land of Tubal. Uh, this is the area east and north of Iran. This is the five nations, basically, that we name the stands to that most people forget. Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Kyrgyzstan, Afghanistan. Uh, these are the areas that is known as Tubal. Um, and then we have the land of Gomer. Gomer is what most people identify as the land of the Ukraine. And uh, Togarma. Togarma is the land of Turkey. So we have these, these nations that are on uh, or listed in the book of Ezekiel. And this is, a, this is a prophecy of the final days and the attack on Israel. Yes. Uh, for us, this is not saying that you know this is something that everybody needs to be scared of, that the end of days is coming because of this. But I will say that we are seeing more and more people in unreached areas hear the gospel of Jesus Christ for the first time. What does that mean? That means that the 1040 window is getting smaller. As the 1040 window gets smaller, that means the more people are being released from the chains of bondage. And the more people that are being released and hearing the good news, the closer we are to completing the Great Commission. This is key. The closer we are to completing the Great Commission, the closer we are to seeing the return of Jesus Christ. The closer we are to seeing the return of Jesus Christ, the more anxiety we see from the enemy. The more anxiety we see from the enemy, the more the enemy lashes out with violence and persecution. The more uh -huh. violence and persecution that we see in the end days, the more we see God's people separated from the shaft, from the wheat from the shaft. And the more we see persecution against Christians, the more we will see revival. And the more we will see revival, the more we will see more people hearing the good news and even smaller 
the the area that has not heard the good news and the closer we become to completing the great commission this is bad news and good news bad news because we are seeing persecution of christians increase we're going to see hardship increase with what we are watching right now unfold on our television sets with the invasion of russia into ukraine but be not troubled. Uh -huh. It is during these times that we can cling to the name of Jesus Christ and we as a church can respond. And that's what you're seeing in, in Poland, right, Tim, with the yes. response of the churches. Um, can you tell us a little bit how your church is reacting to this? Um, yeah, that's what, oh yeah, sure. Um, so we we started assembling and, and talking about what are the... So what are the needs? Where do we get the info? Uh, who do we ask for information? So we are setting this network of, uh, of, of information that we will not rely on, on social media or, or mass media. We need the people on the ground. And right now we have some people going to the border itself. I'm going to be contacting them this day. Um, the house churches are contacting, talking in, in between who can bring uh, somebody under their roof and because not everybody can do that. But people that cannot do that, they want to participate uh, in, in, uh, in costs, I mean, in, in just giving some money to, to support the, the family that we will be living with, uh, with brothers and sisters. And well, we are uh, organizing Bibles in, in uh, Ukrainian and Russian because uh, you, you will still have a lot of Ukrainians that, that speak better Russian than Ukrainian, so we are organizing Bibles. And, and we are just being, you know, we are just being Christians. I mean, you, you can see right now, if you're going to have a walk in, the, in Krakow or take a bus, you will see people on, on their phones, talking on their phones, crying. You, you can hear them talking in Ukrainian or in Russian, and they're, and they're just crying. And, and I've been, you know, receiving phone calls from brothers and sisters that said, okay, I just approached that, that guy or a lady and said, don't be afraid. I mean, we are praying for you. We are here for you. Don't be afraid. You need help. We can help you. And, and, and this is and basically, you know, we can just, there's, there's nothing extra we, we can do except the life that we are, you know, living already, the Christian life that we are living. Of, of course, for some of the people, some of, the, some of the brothers and sisters in, in Christ are just being shaken up really hard right now to wake up that this is not a drill. It's, it's the end of the lukewarm Christian life for, for plenty of people, and they need to choose. They want to commit 100% or they just want to wither and just do nothing. So... Um, did I make it clear? Yes, you did, <laughs> brother. And, and you and I never discussed this. So we, uh, I contacted you last night, asked you if you could be on a Back to Jerusalem podcast. Uh, I didn't even talk about doing this on Facebook Live. But now after hearing you, I've been getting messages just within the last hour of people asking how they could help. And now you have just shared, you know, how you guys are going to be providing the necessary items for people coming from the Ukraine and also working on printing Bibles. Um, would it be possible for us to move resources through back to Jerusalem, Poland to help in the Ukraine? Sure. 
Sure. Yes. So I'm going to what I'm going to do today then is I want to put uh, feet to our faith. I want to put works to our belief. And for those that are listening to this podcast, if you feel an overwhelming desire that you want to help in the Ukraine, you can go on to back to Jerusalem and give to our uh, humanitarian disaster relief area that we have that one back to jerusalem.com if you go to back to jerusalem.com you'll see this this donate button in the upper right hand corner if you click on that you can use that button to navigate to our humanitarian disaster relief this is a man-made disaster and like like uh tim and poland has just said this is a time where christians will have to accept the fact that this is the day where lukewarm christianity is coming to an end you have to choose who will you serve? And for Christians that are in Poland right now working together with Tim, if you want to be a part of that, you can donate 100% of everything that we receive into that uh, category for the next week. Um, we will send over to Tim the Back to Jerusalem office there in Poland, and they will then share with us how they're using it uh, to help those that are being impacted in the Ukraine. Does that sound like something we can do, Tim? Sure, definitely. Okay, excellent. Um, uh, that right now you can do that. You can go into backtojerusalem.com uh, and find the humanitarian disaster relief button. Do your donation there. One hundred percent of what we get, we will send it to Poland to Tim. Tim will directly oversee it. He's been with the Back to Jerusalem team now for a couple of years. He's a great friend of mine. Someone that I completely trust a hundred percent to be able to help those that are seeking refuge from the Ukraine disaster. Brother, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for being a part of this. We are going to be praying for the nation of the Ukraine. We're going to be praying for the work that you're going to be doing. For Christians that are around the world right now, uh, in Canada, in America, in Sweden, or England, or Singapore, um, and they're wondering, how can we pray for the Ukraine? What would you suggest? What, what are some prayer points that we can focus on for the Ukraine today? Well, definitely pray for the civilians that are running away from uh, combat zones. That's super important, especially for children. For for I know, just absolutely supernatural protection of children, not only physical but also from the emotional stress, emotional shock. So, and, and for courage, and for provision, and for, uh, for gas, for food, so so that everybody who is who is not going to fight will be. We'll be able to leave safely and find the refuge in, in Poland right now. And of course, for wisdom and courage for our country leaders, because we need them to talk about. Okay. Thank you so much, Tim, for joining us, brother. It's been a real pleasure to have you on the Back to Jerusalem podcast to kind of pick your brain and find out what's happening on the front lines. And uh, for those of you that are listening, whether it is through Back to Jerusalem um, podcast or for those that have joined me on Facebook Live, I want to thank you for joining me on Facebook Live, by the way. Uh, we would put this on Back to Jerusalem. This would not go through my personal page. The reason why it's on Back to Jerusalem is for or it's not on Back to Jerusalem for two reasons. One is for some reason I've been locked out of our YouTube account. Uh, I think that was been happening from uh, maybe a change in our the setup, maybe a change in the policy of YouTube. I'm not sure. Um, I personally have been blocked from Back to Jerusalem Facebook page by Facebook personnel. Um, 
they did not want me having uh, access to, and even though I'm the one that started the Back to Jerusalem Facebook page, I'm no longer allowed to have access to it uh, because Facebook deemed it so. Uh, so I'm doing this this broadcast through my own Facebook page, Eugene Bach, and my hope is, is that we will be able to do this in a very short time, these kind of broadcasts from Ding Dash. I want to thank you for those that have joined us on our Back to Jerusalem podcast. Again, I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Europe, together with my good friend coming to you from Poland. God bless you. <music>